0: Now, here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast, 278. We're talking about the No Call, No Show. This is episode one of Tableside Volume 3. We're really getting into the hiring process horror stories. There's so much, so much vitriol and animosity happening right now, so much blame to go around, so many finger-pointing. And for me, I say, we need to get over it come to the table have a conversation address the actual issues and start to heal start to evolve this industry and so many of the things that have become matter of fact in business as usual have run their course they have been exposed and they are not viable they're not equitable they're not sustainable and thereby businesses are struggling and people are struggling and the pandemic especially has accelerated and exacerbated a lot of those things so we want to really unpack those and get people's perspectives you know that's what's going to be important for me through this so better tableside you know we're trying to have meaningful conversations about workplaces worth working how do we actually create those how do we create the future of this industry and not just sit on our past successes and anybody who doesn't fit into that is out is other it just hasn't worked so let's try something different so i'm excited to bring in sierra janice to talk a little bit on the topic sierra good to see you
1: hi good to see you as well
0: all right coming to us from chicago and i i'm excited about this conversation because you have a lot of uh opinions on both sides of the equation you have a lot of experience on both sides of the equation so i thought it'd be fun for us to unpack some of these things and kind of get into that. I want to set the table a little bit because there's so many different reasons that somebody might know call Shona. There's so many different reasons that we have these horrific hiring process stories. Mm -hmm. Yet the one thing that I keep coming back to, I want to get your take on this is this sense of belonging. Like I've tried to distill down what a restaurant creates for its employees, for its community, for its customers. And it always comes to a sense of belonging that you feel, like you find your 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 people, you feel like you find this kind of dysfunctional family and that's a whole nother conversation. But th- there's this dynamic, you know, where when a team is working, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the second that team falls apart, it's what we struggle with. And so the sense of belonging, we kind of lose that sometimes in any given business and over extended periods of time of when we're just trying to focus on the business, on the job and losing track of that. So I want to get your sense on that. Have you felt that? Have you lost that? Have you seen it come and go? Like, give me an idea of that sense of belonging for you.
1: Um, To be honest, I would not still be in the hospitality industry if I did not have that sense of belonging. Like, I was at the brink where it broke between choosing between corporate or choosing between having my own schedule where I don't have to work as often and I could still have a life because waking up at 8 AM, 9 AM was just not for me. And you have a lot of people that are in the hospitality industry because they are not morning people. So a sense of belonging is extremely important because we don't have that structure of corporate America anymore. So the only place that we would want to wake up and spend our flexible hours is somewhere where it's a team that we enjoy being around. And if we don't enjoy being around them, bye. I'm not going to
0: waste my time. That is exactly it. Sierra, we, we this industry was built on, you know, on misfits or Anthony Bourdain called it called it pirates on the pirate ship and it was interesting because we didn't want the corporate job. We didn't want a job. We didn't give a shit about a job. Like the job was not what we wanted. We found something that was different. We found something where we found our people again. And so now what's happened is Myself included, like I'm guilty of this. We get into the into these leadership roles or ownership roles, and you and you forget where you came from. Yep. Like how quickly you forget where you came from, and the reality is, we turned it into a job, and then we're saying, "Oh, kids these days, or or these people or those people are not as committed." Why? Because they don't care about the job. Well, that means they're exactly like we were. Now we're just we're yep. just the establishment, and we don't like it, right? And so we're having to grapple with that a little bit. And or one of the
1: parents, things- and we don't like it.
0: now now, now that you're talking about our kids, right? And so I think there's something to that. One of the things also, and this was something important in in kind of the story that you told originally with what was happening with COVID, this idea of like professionalism. Professionalism to me is mutual. It has to be a two-way street, right? How many times have you had to interview 10 people and then like you see a manager who just is like ghosted all nine people who didn't get hired? never called them back. They no-call, no-showed on them. And then they, we wonder why people are no-call, no show. I can tell you why. That's why. So Professionalism, break that down. Again, you have a unique perspective. You've said you've been the worker bee and the management level. Break it down for us a little bit, the professionalism.
1: I would say professionalism has completely been lost, even when it comes to the type of ad that you put out or how you look mm-hmm. Or the people that want to work for you. I mean, now we have Glassdoor, so it makes it a little bit easier for us to determine whether that restaurant is or isn't great to work at. And then sometimes Yelp helps, but eh, not really. Yeah. It helps for whether you can tell this is a lot of bad reviews. So if they have a lot of bad reviews, are they really that professional? No. Why? Because you're you're having a high turnover rate and the high turnover rate for me as someone that is looking for another Mm -hmm. job, not that's just now getting into the industry. I'm like, Oh, no, no, thanks. The service industry page allows us to bypass all of that work on our own
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: we do now have a community of people that we can go to and ask these questions. Like, how do you feel about this and get other opinions? But I've seen the professionalism fail in the interview process, in the ad process, or even in the process of me just walking in and asking if you're hiring. So if it isn't fixed from the owner and the management standpoint, it's not going to be fixed from the opposite side of someone that is a complete stranger walking in. And the only thing that they know is from the old school days, hey, here's my resume, are you guys hiring at the moment? And you'll have some managers where they're not professional They won't even bother to go and speak to the person that brought in their resume or that took the time out of their day to come and ask if you're hiring, they'll tell the hostess, yeah, just go give them an application. I'm the type of person where if someone does that to me, I'm never coming back. But I'm also the type of hostess and server where if my manager tells me to do that, I'm most likely going to tell the person, hey, there's another spot right here. But that's just me.
0: And I think so, what you're talking about is so important because it's it's something I hadn't even thought about. Is that just that walk up, that walk up and be able to go down and drop off some resumes because you wanted to check it out, look at the scene, maybe pop in and have a snack real quick, like get a feel for the mood yeah. and the sense. And that's the first, the first sense of the way that people interact. And you see them like restaurants are opening, so you see them over there. Look, look, and they'll like size you up, and they're like, no, no, I'm too busy. But the reality is, like, like, look, if somebody comes at 11.45 and the place is packed and tries to drop a resume, maybe they're, they're not understanding the game. I can understand that. But at 2.30, 2.45, all of a sudden, and they have time, but they're too busy, yeah. you're setting a tone and expectation from day one. One, for that host, that host now is going, really? Like, you were just complaining that you're understaffed and somebody's here, but you're too busy because you're trying to have leverage. You're trying to create a power dynamic already. And, and that person now knows that. Now, the other thing about it is like, now everybody knows, like you get, I see it on social media all the time on Facebook groups where pl- places are getting praised or they're getting blasted because people are like, don't go anywhere near that place. And that, that person who walked in the door and had that cold shoulder turned on them, you know, if somebody asks them about that, they're going to give them their, their insight. So what, what you, the
1: difference? that that right there is the difference in professionalism when it was the early 2000s or the beginning of the 10s when i first got into it there was no professionalism if i'm being honest the way that they interviewed women wasn't professional the way that they told you oh no i don't need you or what you need to wear or the uniforms and everything set the tone already for professionalism before a lot of the stuff that they do now has gone because it's just like uh, uh, we can't do that anymore and at this day and age they still do it they just disguise it better
0: go there they disguise it better what does that mean so we're talking about like i i just generally said it they look to the door and they size you up you mentioned the way that women are interviewed i when i was going through the process of looking at this series you know the hiring process horror stories i do what i always do i just ask questions and i went into you know, the Chicago industry group and a dozen other groups. And I just started asking questions like, have you had experience with no call, no shows? Have you had experience with hiring process issues? Have you had experience with, you know, your resume, things like that. And I've read, I don't know, 1500 stories over the last three weeks. And some of them are inspiring and some of them are just fucking mortifying. And especially from a lot of the women in the groups, just something that I never understood because I've never had to experience that, but getting sized up by the way that you look—I've never had to experience that. So, like for you, like go there a little bit. You mentioned the hiring process for women being different. I'm—I I, want to know more about that.
1: Um, to be honest, in my twelve years of being in the industry, the only time I've had to interview is at one place, and only that one place. And the interview was like five to 10 minutes, didn't really ask me anything concerning my resume, barely even looked at it. But my very first time of being within the industry, I had no idea that I had to go in, makeup done, hair done, look like you're ready to play from the beginning. Otherwise, they're not even going to waste their time. I didn't find that out until I'm a fresh like 21 year old at this point. But I found it out because the manager's like, listen, you just turned 21. So I'm going to give you a bit of advice. Men will hire you based on what you're wearing and how you look. If you don't look like you can sell me, then I'm not going to waste my time in hiring you. I was like, wait, what? Never even thought about it ever again until four or five years later where I actually needed to do another interview. And I went into the interview with my hair pulled up in a cute little bun, no makeup, looked like I should work there, sporty clothes, all of that. And they basically treated me like they didn't have the time of day for me. But because I was still an attractive woman, they looked over my resume. They said, you know what? Come back. I want to see, you know, if you can fit in with the group and the vibe of the sports bar as I'm already wearing sports clothing and I look like I should work there. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch it up instead of me wearing my hair curly and in a uh, bun. I'm gonna do it different. The very next day, I went in there, makeup to the T, nice fitting dress, and my hair straightened. Hired on the spot.
0: Ah, uh, that's like another layer of depravity that you have to go through, which I think and is I just. <laughs> and you know what? So here's the interesting thing about that as well. When we're talking about the job. You may take that job because you're like, it's good pay, it's this and that, and yeah, I'm attractive and I can play the game, I understand it, and I'm going to make my money, and then I'm out. Mm -hmm. And so you're setting the tone and expectation. The likelihood of somebody who from day one said, all right, I see the game we're playing, I'm going to get in and I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to make sure that I make my money. You've set an expectation. This is just a job. I don't care about it at all because you don't care about me. You literally have said... Am I worthy to sell enough product for you based on whatever whatever demeaning factors that they're actually evaluating on? Well, the likelihood of that person no call, no showing is exponential because you've just set the expectation that there is no professionalism. You don't care about me. Why should I care about you? I don't want the awkward exchange of you lambasting me because I'm going to quit this job because I finally had enough is enough. And this brings up another point I think is important culture culture are the decisions made when nobody is looking. I think it's is such an interesting thing where that's that one manager if there was a if there was a group of media people around, do you think that they would interview the same exact way? Of course not. Because oh interesting, tell me, maybe you have a different thought on that. I don't know. That it seems like they do it because they think nobody will find out about it.
1: So I worked for a company that actually operated that way. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us in Chicago has worked for this company because there Hmm. aren't as many that are that big. However, whenever they had something where the TV crews would be around or there was someone coming to interview the high powered chef that everyone wanted to talk to and all of that. Guess who wasn't scheduled? I was never around for any photo apps any video or anything where they would be on TV. Everyone else would be around, but the one black girl working there would not.
0: So you're not only having to deal with sexist and then racist issues on top of that, and then being put in a corner in that situation, that that layer, that takes a lot of forethought. Somebody has to think through the whole process to make sure that their image clearly they don't understand image at all is upheld in some way because, you know, those places are making sure there's lots of attractive people around that yeah. people are looking sharp, but they yeah, decided but like that for them,
1: like they will, you have managers that will tell someone, Hey, don't do this for this person because I don't want this to happen. And most of the time it either had to do with what you were wearing that day, how you looked that day, or just the simple fact that it's the color of your skin. And they'll hide it and disguise it based on, oh, well, the way that she worked isn't that well. Or she doesn't know the menu that well. Or she doesn't make as many tips as this person. Or she yeah. doesn't help out her other people. Why do I have to help everyone else that isn't helping me?
0: Yeah. You're, you're setting an expectation that everyone, you're on your own. Nobody's got your back. This is not actually a team. We have some fake words on a manual or or a cool fucking mural on the wall that says team, family, all this stuff like that's fake. That's not actually what we do. That's not the culture that we're actually creating. And so we wonder why people are selfish. We wonder why people are fighting over tables or fighting over shifts or fighting over tips or not wanting to tip people out or, you know, front of house, back of house, servers, bartenders morning people versus night people in the kitchen like all of these things we're creating the expectation that it is dog eat dog versus like we're in the we're a fucking pack like that is a very different mentality and that's the culture and then the last thing i, I want to touch on this idea of it coming up again and again and again as a massive threat overworked undervalued Overworked, undervalued. Like, I mean, everybody overworked, undervalued. Seventy yeah. hours, this and that, and the second you mess up an order, you're off the schedule the next day. Like, it is so transactional. Tell me, I, I feel, I feel the story coming already. Overworked, undervalued. Like, your thoughts on it?
1: Every place that I worked at, everyone. After my very first job, I've fully felt overworked and undervalued. One place. I worked at for about two years. Actually, it was the same place. Two years worked there. And I started as a bartender, never received any shifts as a bartender, started getting one shift a week as a bartender, only for them to take me off completely as a bartender and switch me to a server without telling me. And then I started getting two shifts a week, but only in the section of the restaurant where I would not make any money. And I was the only one. So. I was required to help out everyone with their tables and help them make money on their tables. But no one was required to help me mainly because I didn't need it. I'm not complaining about that, but I had to work harder in order to help them. So then they could get time to help me. However, me helping them, they no longer needed that time because I already took care of it. Or this one place that I worked where there was a manager and the manager would take the days that she saw people making a lot of money. Yeah. And she, she was salaried, so she wasn't supposed to collect tips at all whatsoever to begin with.
0: Yeah, that's illegal.
1: And I had it where it was a Tuesday and a Thursday before it wasn't making any money. And then I had some regulars that would come in and I'd start making a lot of money on those days. Next thing I know, I'm working the other two days where I'm no longer working Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm working Mondays and Wednesdays. And then I found out that the manager was doing it on purpose in order to get those tips since she wasn't making the same amount, but she's making less than we are. And then it fully like hit me whenever my loyalty didn't matter when I came in to work a shift and they needed an extra person for a party. And even though I came in to work the shift and I wasn't available, changed everything for my day, not only did that manager take a portion of my tips from the section that I was working, but I had to split it with the other girl. And I did most of the work in comparison to everyone else. And that was one of the spots where I literally had to email the owners and I was just like, listen, you guys are awesome. I don't have anything against you whatsoever, but this manager consistently giving me one day a week or asking me to fill in whenever they need someone but not really reciprocating the fact that I need money and that's why I have to work as well, my loyalty is worth way more than what she is doing to me. So I have to leave, I have to go, I can't do it. And those managers like, I'm so sorry. She didn't work there anymore but that was one place where I'm a person that's loyal. And if you treat me well, I will stay there. But if you don't know how to treat me with respect, when it comes to my time or my opinion then i will not waste my time making you money
0: that's it you mentioned loyalty this is such an interesting thing i i think people have it twisted like the power structure right now has it twisted because they're like they're not as dedicated not as committed not as loyal all this anybody who finds that sense of belonging in restaurants is fundamentally loyal like to a fault, we're like a dog that get kicked again and again and again, We're loyal to a fault a lot of the times. So if they're not loyal to you, it's not on them, it is in them, you've created the dynamic where they now are loyal to something else and the loyalty now that they have is like, I have to protect myself, I have to just get mine. They're still loyal, they're just forced to put that loyalty a place that they would not rather and doesn't serve you well, so the loyalty is not missing. You're missing the opportunity to cultivate that loyalty and then I, you wonder why people aren't loyal to you.
1: I don't even think that it has anything to do with them not seeing that the loyalty is there. They see that the loyalty is there. They just yeah. end up overworking those that are loyal or mistreating those that are loyal. And when you do both of those things, that is mm-hmm. how you end up having a higher turnover rate because a person wants to... Actually enjoy themselves when they go to work. If they wanted to be miserable, they'd work in corporate America, but they chose not to be miserable and they realized, hey, I don't want that. So if you've already gotten someone that said, I don't want to be miserable in an office job that's not for me, I want to do this. You already know that they will have some sense of loyalty.
0: Yep. So why don't you ruin it? (laughs) I, I think I think about this. It's one of the places where I personally have brought the most value and and siphon the most value is that hard work and bringing value to people through hard work is something absolutely people are looking for so when i was a good leader it's because i recognized that it's my job to create space to empower and uplift the people that have chosen to to work with me and every single time that i've failed it's because i took them for granted that they were lucky to be here and there's such a slippery slope there that people have to be recognizing if you are not bringing value to the people that work with you at every moment all the time and checking in with them personally it doesn't matter what the metrics say on how successful your restaurants are you you're building a castle on top of clay pots there's no chance that that's going to survive the long term because the shit always hits the fan. And then you're wondering why people say, nope, enough is enough. So I appreciate that. One last thought from you. This was amazing, Sarah, by the way, I really appreciate your insight. So thoughtful, so personal and so seeing all angles and still being willing to, to put forth the truth, your truth, I think is important. One thing that you hope, what is one dynamic? What is one interaction? What is one way that we can take this no call, no show and stop pretending like it's their fault or their fault or their fault and own it and start to create some healing moving forward. Anything that you think we need to be paying attention to?
1: The owners, because in a state where it's at will employment, they will for sure use a no call, no show to their advantage for unemployment. And I've had that happen to me. I don't like it at all. And there's no accountability on the owners if they do use it to their advantage. It's not fair for any manager to be able to use a no call, no show to an advantage of trying to fire someone that they don't like. I've had it where a manager put me on a day that I said I cannot work, like physically said it to her that I cannot work. And she still put me on that day knowing that I'm not even going to check the schedule or show up so that it could be a no call, no show. Yeah, not once, twice. There's no Mm -hmm. accountability on either end. So in order to fix it, the only way it's like, okay, if it is a no call, no show, maybe you should then sit that employee down and ask. Or maybe a manager should, I don't know, do their job and actually reach out to the employee and wait for the employee to respond to find out why it was a no call, no show. Instead, managers these days feel like, Oh, no, I don't have to call them to find out if it really is a no call, no show because they no call, no show. I'm busy. I don't have that time to call them, text them and figure it out. Whatever. The moment that they call me and text me, then I can let them know it's a no call, no show. That's pointless. That doesn't solve anything. That doesn't keep the loyalty there. It actually makes us feel expendable even as a manager, it would make me feel expendable because you're telling me that even though something happened in my life that required me not not to show up for work, whether it was I knew about it, I didn't know about it, something major happened, no matter what it is, you've already written me off before you even knew the reason. So how can we fix something if we don't take the simple step of asking, hey, what happened? And then making the decision from there because we have the three rule of policy, verbal, written, and then you're done. So if verbal is the first, okay, it is a no call, no show, but find out why. And maybe you could give me a verbal warning and then a written warning and then go from there. But no one is bothering to take the time to do that. I myself did it, but I did it because my brother worked for me and my brother is autistic. And him being autistic, I would be extremely pissed if he was fired for something that he had no control over and it's still a learning thing. And lo and behold, he really was fired for being late, except that isn't in his control all the time. And they didn't care. So there's no way to really fix an issue if you don't care about the issue and you're using it to your advantage to get rid of employees that you don't like or... To keep someone from filing unemployment.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's this, it's this power struggle thing of who has the leverage that's just not serving anybody. Like people would rather be right than do the right thing, and that is such a vulnerability of this industry. And I really appreciate you highlighting that. It's almost like we need that accountability to go in all directions. Like yeah. I'm going to start suggesting people give verbal, written warnings to their managers. I'm writing you up, manager. Oh,
1: my gosh i would have a lot i would be in heaven like i can write you up
0: uh-huh you know like there there needs to be accountability on all sides because to your point like legally versus what's right is, are two different things like yeah now you do have the leverage to be able to say that they no call no showed so they self-terminated i understand all that fine and there's lots of people that take advantage of that on both sides fine mm-hmm. yet using that as the way that you interact at all points because of the potential for that down the road. Well, you're setting the expectation that that's what you expect and lo and behold, that's what you get. And so that's the dynamic at play. So Sierra, I really appreciate this. This is amazing conversation. We, we covered a lot and you had really great insights into everything because you see it all. Like we all see it all and we just pretend like it's not happening. And I I appreciate that. We're here highlighting it.
1: I mean, there's so many different moving pieces from things I've seen in the nightclub industry, to sports world, to lounges, to just every single aspect of it. And some of them are all the same. Some of them are different, but I like being able to share the different sides of things in the different spaces that I've worked in, because some people don't even know that if you work for a black owned place, it is completely different than a place that isn't. (laughs) And you have to learn a lot. And I'm willing to tell people the different things that I've learned in working for both.
0: I love it, Sierra. We're gonna let you go. But we'll we'll stay in touch. This is this is really great to get your insights. And in. everybody, again, bester podcast two seventy eight. We talked a little no call, no show, but we we cover the gambit of things that are happening. And tune in every week because we're gonna go through these these different stories of what's happening with job posts that don't say anything. You have no idea what you're getting into. Resumes, what the ridiculousness of what a resume is. We're gonna be talking about bait and switch job offers. We're gonna be talking about just horrible interviews. I mean, so much to get into. So Sierra, we're going to, we're going to stay in touch with you. I think, I think we might have to write a couple articles about this. You got a lot to say and I appreciate that. So thank you to you. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the best served podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at best served podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.